Hello. Welcome to our second episode of Motives, Clues and Alibis. Today, Kate and I, Monita Soni, we are going to discuss murder on the Orient Express. Hi, Kate. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Beautiful fall weather. So I hope you got to go outside today. Yeah, it's great to go outside and read and walk and read some more. <laughs> exactly. I, I guess we're going to discuss the book, but I, I watched the movie yesterday, the newer movie, and I read the book in one day. So I'm ready for this talk. So That's great. That's yeah. awesome. So mm -hmm. the title of the book, um, did you know that it had a different name? No. Yeah, there, there was some confusion about the name because there's a Graham Greene book, which is called the Stambul Express, which was released around the same time in 1934. So this uh, book was not called Murder on the Orient Express always. It was called Murder on the Kailas Coach. And it was sold for $2 in the U.S. when it came to the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so why do you like this book, Kate? Okay. Um, well, we're going to talk a little bit about Agatha Christie, who is the most prolific mystery writer ever in the English language. She has sold more fiction books than any other writer, which I didn't know until today. So that was exciting. And also um, the Poirot series, which you're going to talk a little bit about uh, Poirot, are one of several series. And most of them have been made into TV shows. So it's very common for people that, that aren't mystery crazies like us to know who she is. But I can do a little bit of background about her if you want to start there. Yeah, I think we can keep on adding um, bits and pieces to her background because she's crucial in this movie and the, uh, the, the book. And the book is also based loosely on um, true story. And right, she actually right. traveled on the Orient Express herself, right. but stuck once. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess most people know who she is, but she was born in 1890, so Victorian era. And I didn't know this before today either, is that her father was an American. Um, yeah. And she died in 1976. So she had a, she was about 86, so it was a long life. 66 detective novels and 14 short story collections. And uh, the most popular, I would say, are the Hercule Poirot and Miss Marples. But yeah. she also has the longest running play, The Mousetrap. Yes. Uh, I've never seen the play, really. I've read the short story, but it was 1952 to 2020. I've seen the play. Yeah, it's wow. amazing. And actually, I've been to her house. Um, in, in her married house or her house as a child? Her house as a child. Okay. I have, I've always wanted to go to Torquay. It sounds yeah, beautiful. Yeah, Torquay, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was wonderful. Uh, experience um, and because I, I and I happened to be there just by happenstance I didn't intend to be there but uh, I'm so glad I did because Hercule Poirot to me has been um, one of the most realistic fictional characters um, somebody has ever created and uh, you know during the pandemic I've just lived breathed and uh, talked and walked with Hercule Poirot He's a, a Belgian detective. He came as a refugee um, to England, and he is this um, short, stout man, but uh, he's very fastidious, and he's famous for his uh, spectacular signature mustache and his little beetling eyebrows. 
and his um, just his way of walking is uh, also um, you know very specific to Poirot and so many people have played Poirot but I think the person who does him the best justice is David Suchet. Kate have you watched? I've watched all of them three times over yeah and it's hard to see someone else in the movie portraying, yeah. portraying him. Yeah, but I think um, Kenneth Branagh has done an, a spectacular job because if you um, see the um, movie from um, 1970s, um, The Murder on the Orient Express, I think it was Alfred Feeney who plays and he does a great job with his um, dialogue delivery as well as his interpretation of Poirot. But um, Dame Christie was not very happy with um, his um, facial hair. So I think Bruno must have read that somewhere and he um, sports this extravagant moustache and it actually looks like the letter T on his face, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't like uh, Albert Finney at all in the 70s one. But the other guest stars, well, we'll talk about the movies later, but the other people on it were extremely interesting. But yeah. um, so... Poirot, how many novels were there? Did you check that out? Yeah, you, why don't you tell me? I think, well, this was number 10. So, this was the yeah, I think there were over 30. And at the end, she got tired of him. She got tired of people asking about him because he's, uh, to me, he's a caricature. He's an unreal person. Because yeah, he, the way that he solves a crime is just sit there in his little gray cells, thinks about it. Yeah. So uh, it's entertaining. It's not as serious as today's mysteries, you know, real life right. crime on TV. But it's interesting how he gets from point A to B. So I guess we'll discuss that a little bit about this one. Yes, yes, yes. And it's very different, his in, the interpretation of, the, of Alfred Feely and um, uh, uh, Bronon is very different. Yeah. Um, do you want to do a summary of the story first without getting into the ending so we don't, in case there's somebody in the world that hasn't read or seen the movie. I know. I really encourage the young people who have not read it to read this book. Um, so um, Poirot gets a telegram and he's um, on his way home, but he is, he tries to board this train, the Orient Express, which is going to London. But unfortunately, the train is sold out and last minute somebody doesn't show up. And so he manages to claim a second class berth and he gets into this train, which is jam packed with 12 travelers from different uh, regions. And in the middle of the night, there's an avalanche, there's a snowstorm, and the train gets derailed. And when everybody wakes up um, because of this particular accident, they find out that one particular Mr. Ratchet, who's uh, sharing, I think, the Jason cabin with Poro, has been murdered. And, he, uh, and he's murdered by stabbing. So then it becomes like a whodunit and then Poirot um, happens to be there. So he has to solve the crime. So you go from and, there. And the interesting thing was he wasn't supposed to be on that train. So yeah. uh, the murderer had to change their tactics when he got called back to London. So he's the protagonist and he is a, a Belgian detective, as you said. So he is not an amateur as, as Miss Marple is. Exactly. But he just stumbled on the ratchet one. But um, so the characters you mentioned the one, the murder, uh, murdered it's man, Ratchet. And of course there are, I think there are more than 12, but, um, but there were 12 births on the train. And of course there's the person, the conductor kind of person that takes care of people and some other, but then the uh, Mr. Book, who's a friend of Poirot's, he's an employee of the uh, train company. 
Yes. And so, um, and you're not sure if he's involved, actually, in, I thought until the end. Right. Okay, you got Mr. Ratchet, who's an American, but he's kind of a seedy American. And yeah. we'll talk about the movie a little bit, but, but anyway, he's an older man in his 60s. He's traveling with his secretary, mm -hmm. and he's got a valet, I think it was. Uh, so yeah. he has two people with him. And his secretary was an American, Hector McQueen, who's a, a young person, he's about 30. And he supposedly spoke languages, European languages, so that's why he was uh, employed. You have this Mary Debenham, who's a British governor, governess in her 20s, and she comes from Istanbul. Uh, she was in Aleppo before, and she's going to change her life. You have Colonel Arbuthnot, who is a retired British soldier, very Englishy. There's a lot of stereotypes about the different nationalities, which I laugh at in this day of, you know, you can't say this stuff. <laughs> so yeah. there's the British stodginess and then the American being very vociferous, you know. And then, but then there's Mrs. Hubbard, who's the older American woman, who is supposedly there to, to support uh, charitable causes. Yeah. And she likes to talk a lot and talk about her daughter. So her daughter's husband was posted in the Middle East somewhere. But yeah. as I said, we also have the conductor, uh, Pierre Michel. Uh, and so he has a lot of evidence because he sits out in the hallway and people call him by bell in those days. Right. This was in the 30s, I think 34. No, yeah, like a really nice train ride. And there were first and second class cabins. So some of the cabins had two beds, uh, bunk beds, and some had single. We have Cyrus Hardman, who's another American. He says he's a salesman, but then we find out otherwise. The very interesting character I thought was the princess. Mm -hmm. yes. an elderly Russian princess. Yeah, I loved it. But they say she's very ugly in the book. So um, <laughs> in the movie, she wasn't that ugly. Uh -huh. And she also has a secretary slash nurse person. But the funny thing about the nationalities is in the book, there's an Italian, Antonio Foscarelli. Yes. And um, the employee for the um, train company always wants to pin everything on him because he's Italian, <laughs> you know. He now lives in America. So he thinks of him probably as mafioso or something. That is so interesting. I know. I love that part of it. Uh, it's so yeah. not PC. We also have a German woman, uh, Hildegard Schmidt. She's yes. the maid for the princess. Uh -huh. um, and I didn't know Hercule could speak German. He spoke German. He spoke all the languages. So it was interesting. He spoke a lot of languages. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about him because he's very observant and he's really, mm -hmm. really smart. I don't think he's a caricature at all. Actually, he's helped me solve so many mysteries in real life because I really observe his method because I think that he just observes and he believes in the rationality of the human mind and his method is based on um, solving that accordingly and using his little gray cells. But in this particular um, Orient Express, the plot, there's a plot twist. And so he actually agrees that um, the, the, he, he gives don't up. Don't give away the ending. Don't give away the end. But, but no, he, act, he acts like he's kind of dumb to some people, which I, even yeah. in the book, they mention that. But people see this funny looking little um, Belgian and they think, oh, he can't be real because he's strange looking. But anyway, we had the, the only married couple was the Countess and the Count. Right. Rennie, I think the name is. Anyway, so you don't know much about them. She's kind of quiet. You so have a doctor, of course, because he has to look at the body and you know tell the time of death. Um, so who could have had the motive? Did they all have or anyone be, had a motive? Well, we can't say, but uh, you know, he sits there and he thinks about it. Without internet, without any kind of communication, he has to figure out what it is. And I have some quotes from the book. 
but it all revolves around a single person who is not even in this train. But uh, what he says is, um, the only way to conduct a case, I select each passenger in turn, consider his or her evidence, and I say to myself, if so, and so is lying, on what point is he lying, and what is the reason for the lie? Right. And I, I answer, if he is lying, if you mark, it could only be for such a reason on such a point. Right. So most of them lied to him. I won't say what about. Yeah, but because all of them have alibis. Did you not see? They that? all have an alibi. In this book, they all have an alibi. Uh, if one person at any rate will be completely freed from suspicion. So he was trying to eliminate people as they usually do. Like, where were you at this time? There was a watch that said it happened at, I think, 1.15 a.m. Yes, the watch had so, stopped. Uh -huh, everybody had an alibi, it turned out, and the conductor didn't see anybody come from that cabin. So I don't want to get into too much, but there were, he had 10 questions. I love the way the book is written. So right. if you've seen the movie and haven't read the book, go back and read the book read because books. the titles of the chapters give it away. It's a perfect mystery. <laughs> That's see why it's been time. around for over 80 years because the titles are part one, the facts, part yeah. two, the evidence. Yes. Part three, your Hercules sits back and thinks. So, so in, in the that, they go through the evidence of each evidence? person. Hmm? Is there any evidence in this case? He goes like the evidence of each person. The evidence of the conductor, the evidence of the secretary, where he sits down with each of them and speaks to them. But of course, a murderer is going to lie. I mean, in most cases. Mm -hmm. um, so the part one, the facts is what actually you know happened. He was in the cabin next to the murdered man. He right. heard some noises at a certain he heard time. He the knocking so. on the door. Mm -hmm. and but then the, the avalanche, I think, is what changed it. There, you know, you can't plan an avalanche. So the murderer did not know there was going to be an avalanche after the last stop. So yeah. it kind of changed what happened. So the and nature intervened. The ending, the ending would have been different. Well, the, the avalanche was amazing, I think, yes. in the story. So it was a locked room, basically. Yeah. Everyone on the train had to be someone on the train. Could someone have gotten on the train? Could they have gotten off? So we won't get into who actually did it, but yeah. it is such a contrast. It. You know, look at the contrast. I mean, the, the glory and the mystery of nature just wild countryside with a snowstorm. And then these people are locked in and the menace of being in a claustrophobic locked room and how he solves it and whether he actually is able to solve it or not. That's also mm -hmm. a question. And then- And, and you can see the train, they, they work, you know, when they're in the dining car, which was, I guess, fancy in those days. Right. I've actually been on the Orient Express, but not in the fancy car, but- um, yeah. The um, the dining car when he was talking to all the people, I just it was just so 1930s, so between that, the two wars, yeah, excellent. You can just you know see that. But um, there is another train which is in India. It's called the Palace on Wheels. So when I was mm -hmm. looking at the movie and looking at the dining car, you know, it reminded me so much of that extravagant, um, you know, the 30s mm -hmm. era in which the Maharajas used to travel like that. Hey, when we go to Canada, we better get berths like that. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, that's our next journey. So mm -hmm. I think this particular book, you know, he, it kind of reminds me that he took some clues from the mysterious affair at Styles, mm -hmm. because in that uh, case, the murder is committed by poisoning, and he doesn't know that there are no witnesses, there are no alibis, there are uh, no clues. And so 
just like how he has to go on the train from one compartment to the other and question every per passenger, he actually walks down the village and he questions um, people like the husband and the nurse and uh, other mm -hmm. neighbors. And so, you know, that there is a similarity there. Because what about evidence in those days? He didn't have DNA and then you couldn't do right. spectral analysis. So all he had was talking to people. So that is... I guess the old fashioned. There way. were some clues, no? The clues mm -hmm. were really interesting. What do you think about If the... you go back and look at it again, then you can see all oh, this. But now that I go back to, I'm like, oh, well, they made a lot of assumptions that they shouldn't have made. So now I'm an engineer. So I'm like, oh no, something else could have happened. But at the time, I'm sure that was, you know, it. But yeah, yeah. The, um, that you want to talk about, about um, anything about her or about Poirot's later adventures? Um, no, Poirot, I think he becomes more and more um, interesting, you know, wh while he's solving a cold case, he's like very quiet and very methodical, and he can become very pompous and confident and almost like obnoxious at times. But what I like about him is that the moment he knows what has happened and the thing clicks in his head, that time he is like, like an unstoppable person and he brings everyone and he goes one after the other so quickly and talks so rapidly. So that is what I really love about him. I mean, there are so many books. And in some of the stories that were made in the Lots, BBC um, when he um, has the sergeant, but, uh, and he can't believe that the sergeant can't figure it out. I love that. Like he condescends yes. so much that it's just, that's an interesting. Those are the older ones, I think, from the nineties, BBC ones. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. But that that is his that is his personality. I mean, see, he she fleshes it out so well. Yeah. Did you but know what, he received let's the differences between the two movies? Yeah. Because I think people will see the movies and then read the book, maybe. I think. So, and if you've seen, I saw it. Like I was amazed. I was amazed at that movie in a movie theater in 17, but uh, he was the only fictional character to receive an obituary on the New York Times. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> Remember when the last book, when he died in the last book. So yes. that was interesting yes. how she that got rid of him. Part. And uh, do you know how he dies? He dies of a heart attack, but why? Mm -hmm. why does sicker he and sicker, yeah. But, but here's he, what Agatha Christie thought about Poirot. He's insufferable. He was detestable, yeah. bombastic, tiresome, egocentric little creep yet yeah, the public loved love him it. i love, <laughs> I love that it was a love-hate relationship i think uh -huh. i loved him yeah. and i love the fact being a physician that he did not take his um, sublingual nitrate <laughs> when he could have right it was time to go it was time to go he was going to go it was time to go yeah because morris ended kind of like that too the morris series but, right right um, but the, the new movie the new movie the 2017 movie i think mm -hmm. more than the acting i just give five stars to um, kenneth Branagh for his cinematography because it was spectacular as you said in the white screen and especially the camera you know coming out um, into the um, train and moving along with it and a lot of that was computer generated I found out and you if you look at the end you can see the difference between the book and the movie you want to speak about mm. that a little yeah well most people know the ending so that is the problem if you saw so any of them so they yeah. changed a little bit for mm -hmm. the cinematographic effect yeah. because they got off the train in this one it was derailed in the movie in the right. book, it wasn't actually derailed. Yeah. But the one thing I didn't get was they, the, the train was up on a um, bridge, like a wooden yeah. bridge, 
and the yeah. one character, I won't say who, jumped off, and Poirot, who must be at least in his 50s or 60s, jumps off after him like an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that didn't need to, it wasn't anything in the book, and it was dumb. I thought they just did it to have a, a chase scene. Yeah, they had a chase scene. My only problem with that movie was that strange part. Yeah, the chase scene, the altercations, the um, people getting in their face, in each other's faces. So they cut yeah. down the dialogues and they had yeah. more of this. A little bit more modern because it's 70 years, almost yeah. 80 years. 80 years later. 80 years. And when they got off the train into the tunnel. Yes. Did you see that? It looked like The Last Supper. The long yes. table, yes. 12 people. Yeah. It was The Last Supper. I was like, man. That was there's, excellent at the end. There's references to the 12 jury and the last. It was the jury. Well, yeah. that, yeah. Okay, we don't want to say much, but, but yeah, there were 12 people. Yeah. And um, it made me cold, of course, because it was very loud of snow. And so just watching it just made me shiver. So the movie, I would recommend it. It's not exactly like the book. Some of the characters are changed. Um, mm -hmm. The doctor, oh, I know why they change it for a little bit of diversity. Right. The first one had that Italian guy he turned into um, a Spanish guy. Right. Also, I maybe it was the German nurse became Penelope Cruz. Cruz, yeah. He's oh, Penelope. Spanish, Spanish. Yeah. And then the doctor became a became or was a black man in the movie. And he had a little bit different part. The doctor in the movie. Right. Ingrid some Bergman. Names, some of the names. I loved Ingrid Bergman. Didn't you love? Oh, I, well, she's yeah. She's she one of the best actresses the, ever. So. Governess. I mean, yeah. she. Did, they received six Oscars for the first one, and she yeah. received an uh, Oscar. Um, not, um, she received an Oscar for uh, supporting. I just found out that David Suchet did one on TV. This one, and I hadn't seen it, so I have to look for that. Yeah, one. that because, is like I said, he's just the one that should be Poirot forever. I don't care how old he is. <laughs> yeah, his eyes. You know, I love his eyes and the kindness which he shows in his eyes. When you can see that Poirot is actually not a caricature but human when he actually shows that kindness. And I cannot forget that because it, I, it reminds me so much of one of my uncles who retired as a general in the Indian intelligence. And that man, I think probably I love Poro because he looked like Poro. He was not as portly as Poro, but the nose and the mustache and the hooded eyes mm -hmm. and the really piercing eyes are so Okay, but you're thinking of David Suchet, not Poro. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's hard to keep but the David Suchet's interpretation of Poirot mm -hmm. is just yeah. uh, just I had, yeah I looked him up because I thought he was Middle the Eastern or something. It turns out he's part Jewish, so that explains the look. Yeah, he is. Um, but okay, what what was your hook then? What was your favorite thing? Um, the favorite thing is that woman in the red kimono. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Two dragons, which he sees and kimono. The, the knock on the door and someone answers in French, whereas this American is there inside. And, mm -hmm. and then the burnt paper, you know, with some, mm -hmm. something so on that it. That was a clue. Oh, yeah, the clues. Okay, I've got a list. I don't know if we want to go through the clues or not. Um, yeah, those. Uh, there were, so there were some questions that he had about things. I don't know where I put it. I guess I'm not going to talk yeah. about it. So at the end, there were a few more than one solution. I didn't like Kenneth Branagh as him because no. I still can't. He does not look like David Suchet, but he did a great job because he's a great actor. But yes, I agree. He seemed that. a little young. I don't know how old he is, but he seemed a little young for my, my take on For your taste. Yeah. But um, but um, Johnny Depp, I mean, that uh, particular line, 
uh, which uh, Michelle Pfeiffer tells that dialogue is really interesting in that in this one that some people are just so gorgeous and they can get away with any prize if only they don't open their mouth you know they have the looks some men mm -hmm. have the looks and so that that particular interaction was like really nice it was very hard that really didn't have anything in the book because uh he wasn't good looking apparently the murder suspect in real life he was a 65 yeah. year old man johnny depp can't help looking good with yeah. those cheekbones <laughs> <laughs> I can't see him as a bad man, even with that fake accent and everything. It was just, yeah. But it he was, was like almost cute. like the coming together of the cast of pilot, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> um, one thing was interesting at the end of the movie, I sat and watched the credits. Michelle Pfeiffer sang. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know she could sing. Right. So that, right. Was, that was good. So, yeah, I thought the movie was excellent because it's the special effects, the train, the snow, the... And the, the way they did some of the camera work from up above, yes. because if you're in a train uh, hallway outside the sleeping compartments, it's what, three or four feet wide? So how yeah. would you do a, a, group, a group picture? Well, they did it from above mm -hmm. and you can't see their faces, but still, it just was really good. It was, just, you could yeah, feel that, the train that way. I so I loved all that, which you couldn't have done in the 70s. They didn't have that kind of computer technology. Effects. So yeah. it did bring it up a notch. Yes. So I love it. I had to pay three ninety nine. It wasn't on the free streamings, <laughs> but it was worth it. And like I said, I saw it when it came out three three years ago, and it was yeah. I went clapped. For the first, first I clapped. Night, it was so good. First night, first show. I went and stood mm -hmm. in line and got the ticket. But uh, let's give it like five herrings. I would give it both the book and the movie and five. The movie, five herrings. Cool for and me. Dame Agatha Christie. I think uh, a thousand or a million herrings. Exactly. She, well, everybody's going to be compared to her. I was going to say we could compare somebody, but there's nobody to compare to her, in my opinion. Although next week we'll be talking about uh, Louise Penny. But so, yeah. So, yeah. so five because of the mystery, five because of the characters, five the mo getting the motives out of all this mess, and right. just the 1930s, all that beautiful thing. Beautiful. In my mind about the clothes and the jewelry and all that yeah. so yes definitely five on both our parts so we're really good on that one i'm so, so glad uh, you did so much work for this one kate i'm really proud of you well i'm glad that i reread it because you know <laughs> if i read something five years ago you remember this summary <laughs> the story but, plot, you know, but you we used remember. to take this book whenever we used to go on a train journey but too bad there isn't a board game you know, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, like, I bet there was. We could look. That's a good thing to look up. We have to look it up. because Exactly. Because there must be. Because it'd be like Clue. Well, maybe Clue is something like it, but it's in a house. So It's a different. But it, the, the locked room mysteries are some of my favorite on how did they get in? How did they murder yeah. somebody? You know, so this is, is this just is an great. excellent example of that. So, so do you want to talk about next week what we're going to do? Yes. So uh, the next next week, we are going to take you on a journey to Canada and we are going to talk about Canada's darling, Louise Penny. And the book is called All the Devils Are Right Here. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, amazing. I was looking up the book for our podcast and I saw that bright blue um, cover art. And then I think that is in fashion or something because after that I saw like three or four cars like Porsches and other cars in the same color so wow you're trying if to you, buy if you haven't read louise penny then you are in for a treat i wish i hadn't read any of your books because they're so good 
that I, you know, I'd love to read them all the first time. So I guess mm -hmm. we'll discuss that next time. So this is a series. You don't have to read them all in order, but Inspector Gamache, I do like his life, you know, so I, I read them in, in series. Let's see how many there are. Um, I there's think there's over 14 now, aren't there? Yeah, maybe 14. I thought there were 12 last time I counted, but maybe yeah. more. Yeah. But she, anyway. she's interesting because she likes to uh, uh, write on her bed like I do. <laughs> I have to lie down and write. So whenever she gets a little uptight, her husband tells her, go to your bed and write. <laughs> but didn't he die? I thought he died. Oh, well, he must have told her before. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out how many there are here. Louise Penny. And you just want to live in that town, but I guess we'll talk about that later. Uh, right. Books, books. It doesn't say how many, but I'm thinking 14, maybe this is 15. It just came out September, right? I mean, it just came out. So, um, and it gets the best pick. All Whenever they come out, they're best picks of all different books. Kirkus Reviews, Book Page, Library, anyway, Amazon. So there are books that if you're a mystery lover, you would probably really enjoy. So okay. I guess we'll... We're going to leave you with this. What is our... Uh, what's our hashtag? What is our hashtag? There is no mag when there is no mystery, there is no magic. Oh, good. Always mess it up. Right. When there's no mystery, there's no magic. And there we are. See you next time. Let us know how you like it and tell us about your favorite Agatha Christie books. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>